and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am your host, Greg Bahachko. Joining me as always, one of the co-hosts of the Five Heart Podcast. He is our founder and fearless leader at Coordination.com, John Dam Johnston. Hello, John. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good. It's How great to be here. That's right. All those other uh, cliches. I I got my second COVID vaccination today at three o'clock. Okay, so uh, without knowing which exact uh, uh, pharmaceutical company uh, provided your vaccine, I can tell you what my wife and others that I've I've spoken with have experienced after receiving their second shot. Uh, My my wife got hers on a Tuesday uh, when I came down showered, shaved, and dressed and ready for work on Wednesday morning. Of course, my wife uh, at the time, 32 weeks pregnant, so she's pretty much at home uh, on, on a modified bed rest. Uh, she's on the couch. I'm cold. I walked downstairs and it's cold. I said, honey, can I turn the heat up, fireplace, get you a blanket? She's like, no. She said, don't change anything. Don't make it hotter. Don't make it colder. I'm comfortable the way it is. I said, okay. Went to work, called her uh, a few hours later around lunchtime, and I could hear her shivering all over the phone. And she said, I'm going up, I'm getting blankets, I'm getting sweatshirts, I cannot get warm. So that's what, one of the side effects, I don't know if it's side effect or if it's an act, uh, like proof that it's working, is that you know, you're know you hot and you're cold and you're hot and you're cold. By Thursday morning, she was fine. So I just want to prepare you uh, for your uh, Friday. It might be a long day, John. Well, I was hoping for some side effect. I was hoping that, for example, I'd grow another arm, Greg. You know why? It's going to make uh, uh, using the shower at the gym that much more enjoyable? I don't know. Well, I was thinking that I could just jack off all day and still get as much work done. And you can, too, with Blue Chew. I was hoping for... <laughs> I was hoping for you know, that maybe I would uh, get enlarged in some areas better than I am. Because that's always a concern for elder males, no matter who they are. Well, speaking of elder males, uh, joining us once again <laughs> on the, the show this you week. You know that or laser shooting right out of my eyeballs. <laughs> I would kind of be able to turn them off and on. Uh, Todd. <laughs> Wolverton, welcome back. Uh, you never know exactly where this thing's going to go before we introduce you, do you, Todd? No, no, it's uh, yeah, it's always interesting, and <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to get comfortable with this uh, references the elder Todd, you know, and, and uh, but I am. I mean, it's something I've got to accept. I'm I'm older than John, for God's sakes. <laughs> so. <laughs> But anyway, it's good to be here tonight, Greg. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you guys. And, you know, it's good to see that uh, John didn't grow breasts with that uh, second COVID shot. I was. I could entertain myself. Well, I was wondering what you might do with those if you had them. So, I mean. There's a pandemic and all I do is pretty much sit at home and work on computers. Oh, God, I'm glad you went that way. Freaking room. Now that it's, now it is, you know what it is right now? It's negative six. When we, I think when we got up this morning, it was like negative 38 or some freaking thing. I want to go out and do some YouTube videos. And my problem is, is that uh, 
I don't think my camera will function in this weather for very long, even with the battery packs and boosts and all that shit. But uh, yeah, you know, growing breasts. There's some heart medicine you can take that that's a side effect for, but I haven't moved to that one. <laughs> all right. Third, arm, on, third arms and breasts. <laughs> uh, you never know what to expect here on the Five Heart Podcast. Um, <clears throat> I could sell tickets. But would anybody buy one? Oh, God, yes, they would. All right. I'd have my own Netflix special in like three weeks. I could build that up and do that. <laughs> he said, move on. And you're supposed to just take control, Greg. <laughs> uh, I, you, you side railed, uh, the, the, where I thought I, it, I, I don't know exactly where. All right. Let's start here. Let's get it. Let's jump in. Okay. Uh, uh, a topic that Todd loves to talk about. And we love it when Todd talks about wrestling. It was a fantastic episode a couple oh, weeks ago. Oh, I thought it was commie. Uh, well, he's wearing Husker red, not commie red. Um, but it was a great episode a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago uh, with uh, Todd and John and Dylan talking about uh, Husker wrestling. And, uh, um, he, you know, there's a reason that I was one of the premier wrestling programs in, in the nation. But, uh, oh boy, those Huskers, they, they, they pitched a shutout against uh, Northwestern here not too long ago, Todd. Yeah, just just a couple things um, real quick. I, last time out, um, Nebraska just looked outstanding. I mean, they they truly did, and um, you know, hopefully they keep the momentum going um, into you know the rest of the season. Now they're they're off this weekend, and Dylan made a good point. Um, the Iowa Penn State duel is being postponed because Iowa's whole wrestling program is under COVID right now. So uh, that left Penn State without a match this week, and Nebraska was open. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, why weren't the ADs on the phone? Why why is that match not happening um, somewhere this weekend? Uh, Dylan made a good point on that show a couple weeks ago. Outside of Iowa, Nebraska, unfortunately, isn't wrestling any of the other teams in the upper echelon of the Big Ten Conference, mm-hmm. which is going to hurt them. With, for seeds when they get down to the Big Ten Conference. And, you know, that really stinks. And this would have been a chance at least for uh, Nebraska to run up against one of the upper-tier teams like they are um, and maybe get uh, some wins that would help them with seeds in the tournament. Um, the other thing that just uh, came out in the last couple of days is that um, Eric Schultz at 197 pounds is now the number one ranked wrestler at his weight class in the country. So, the first time that Nebraska has had a number one ranked wrestler for quite a few years. I didn't go back and check when the last one was, but um, you know, he was, uh, he was, he's been consistent the last couple of years. Uh, Certainly, you know, he'd been number two ranked throughout this season, even though we're about halfway through, but uh, the top seed from uh, West Virginia got knocked off, I think by the wrestler from Virginia tech in their duel. I might be wrong on that. He got beat. Um, and uh, so that, that moved uh, Schultz into the upper spot. So um, Nebraska wrestling has a week off, um, you know, and, and uh, I think something else that Dylan mentioned in his article on coordination that I thought was an interesting point too, for those people that are paying attention to it uh, in that last uh, duel last weekend, 
um, with Indiana and then the duel of Michigan State. Ridge Lovett bumped up to 149 pounds and wrestled one of the duels. And so he wrestled the duel against Michigan State, and uh, Hardy wrestled the duel against Indiana. And uh, Dylan's hypothesizing that, uh, you know, since Lovett won convincingly, that that might be uh, a place for him to break into the lineup. Now, for those of you that haven't paid that close attention, Ridge Lovett had a great freshman season last year, 133. But he's grown. He's too big to make that weight class. But at 141, he's behind Chad Red. So they gave him a shot at 149. So that's yet to be seen. But Ridge Lovett's a really exciting wrestler. Personally, I think he's too small. Even though he's too big for 133, I don't think he's big enough uh, to compete at 149, which is a really tough. Does thing. it really make that big a difference? Yeah, it does. Um, is that just muscle weight or what? A lot of it's muscle weight. And a lot, a lot of it has to do with your body makeup, your body size. And uh, there's a lot of difference in terms of, uh, you know, how 149 pounders are put together compared to 133 pounders. 149 pounders tend to be a little bit longer and lankier. And that's a lot of leverage. And it's a little bit different style of wrestling than it is. Now, Ridge Lovett is pretty lanky for a uh, for 133, former 133 pounder. But, yeah, you got to factor it this way, John. Those, you know, 149 pounders in the offseason – you know, they're probably more like 170 pounds, 175 pounds. So those pretty good-sized guys, you know, that are dropping that weight. So um, it does make a difference now. Um, I, You know, I, I won't uh, get into it that much, but there's some historical stories about smaller guys moving up, you know, and, and being able to compete. And right now, you know, there's some pretty solid guys in the sport that think Spencer Lee, who's ranked number one at 125, they believe he could be an All-American at 149, which is three weight classes up. You know, he's that good. Um, but who knows? That'll never happen. But anyway, it's it's good to see Nebraska where they're at right now. Um, I think they're ranked sixth, uh, which that's fine. Um, you know, when the first starts to fly in March at the tournaments, um, we'll see where they where they end up. So, how? <clears throat> What's next, Greg? I was going to have a follow-up for Todd about wrestling, if that's all right, John. Okay. Okay. Since Big Ten wrestling is only Big Ten wrestling, and they're the best conference for wrestling, but you also miss out on the Oklahoma States and the Iowa States and, you know, some, some some of the better talent that's at smaller schools. And like you said, you know, with Nebraska, you know, not necessarily getting, you know, potentially the, the, a Penn State duel, and you know, not, not, not getting some of the the higher tier programs. It just how how big of a loss, kind of. I mean, I know they're trying to patchwork their way through, but how big of a loss is it to the season to not have, you know, some of these guys going up against, you know, at, at some of these larger tournaments or a lot, you know, weekend long you know, like dual meets and things like that? I personally, I think it's a big deal because uh, Nebraska typically is wrestled. I won't tell you that they've wrestled the toughest non-conference schedule, but generally speaking, you know, they've gone to Las Vegas or they've gone to the Midlands, you know, a tournament where they have gone against good, strong competition. And, you know, it's not unusual for them to take on Oklahoma State in a duel um, and they've wrestled, you know, out on the East Coast against North Carolina State, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll 
they'll compete against some of those other top teams. But I really think it's going to be a real crapshoot because in the last few years, well, last 10 to 15 years, it seems like there's kind of been a shift towards the east a little bit, and primarily because of Penn State's dominance for a number of years. And so there's a lot more focus and attention, it seems like, on some of the eastern schools than there have been on the midwestern schools. Now, there are Big Ten schools in the east, too. I'm, I'm a little bit fearful that when it comes time to seed the national tournament, that some of the Big Ten guys uh, will not get a seed that is reflective of where they should be. Um, but that being said, every year, you know, you look at the way they seed that tournament and you just got to scratch your head and say, are you kidding me? You know, you, you know, this guy was runner up in the Big Ten tournament and you seeded him seventh in the yeah. national tournament. That makes no sense. Um, but but I'm, I am concerned this year because it seems like a lot of attention has been given to Virginia Tech. A lot of attention has been given to uh, North Carolina State and Oklahoma State. Um, you know, so uh, I, I think this is going to get messy, uh, especially. I mean, think of it this way. If Iowa, let's hypothesize that this COVID thing goes on for a few more weeks. You know, Iowa wrestlers going to the Big Ten tournament with maybe five or six matches, five or six wins. You know, and if how is that going to impact their seeds at the national level when other teams are going to have more wins? I mean, there's there's wrestlers in the Big 12 conference that have wrestled 13, 14 matches this year Mm -hmm. right now. And there's not a Big Ten guy that's wrestled more than six or seven. So. You know, Dabo Sweeney, you know, they'll pull a Dabo on us. <laughs> Does anybody have that much pull? Well, generally speaking, the seating committee is pretty representative of the nation. And um, it just gets messy. I'll just leave it that way. <laughs> what are you listening to, John? I'm not. I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> that would be the grandfather clock next to oh, me. Oh, okay. <clears throat> that's right. <laughs> well, that's right. You can tell that Todd's in a different room because uh, it's nighttime there, and, and usually when we record for Todd, it's daytime. So uh, that makes sense. He's, he's in a different part of the part of the house or the stadium, however you want to look at it. Um, is there? Does Iowa have enough pull to be able to shelf things around in a similar way to, and maybe not necessarily at the Big Ten level, but at the national level in the seating, uh, but in a similar way to how the rules were skirted to get Ohio State into the Big Ten championship game? Uh, I mean, is there is there a is there a, and I'll, I'll say I'll pick on the Big Ten. We we picked on them quite a bit last uh, week as well. By the way, we got some uh, interesting comments on YouTube uh, for us not not only standing up for Nebraska, but standing up for all uh, member schools of the Big Ten when we were saying that the Big Ten failed uh, in putting a, implementing a, a plan for the football season. But they, somebody in the comments took umbrage and said, "Hey, thanks for watching, you fuck." Um, but uh, is there is Iowa strong enough in wrestling like Ohio State was in in football, where you know they'll you know look past the uh, the perhaps lack of activity? 
you know, I guess they might from the perspective of, you know, getting a seed. But, you know, if this COVID thing drags on, I don't think that, I mean, I, I don't think the Big Ten will make an allowance. I think the Big Ten made the only allowance they're going to make, and that was with Ohio State for football. Mm-hmm. And unless they make it for a basketball program, um, you know, so if, if I don't even know, is Wisconsin at the top of the league standings? You know, if if Wisconsin gets hit with a, a COVID outbreak or whoever the top men's basketball team is towards the end of the season, you know, will the Big Ten step in and say, you know what, instead of whatever it is, 17 days or what, you know, whatever it is, we'll shorten it up if everybody tests negative. I don't even know what the procedures are. But well, that, that may come up. It may come up. And no, it, I mean, it, it, with Michigan. I was saying Michigan. Michigan's yeah. basketball program has been out, what, two weeks now? Michigan's well, eight their and whole one. sports program. Yeah. Eight and one in the conference, 13 and one overall. Um, I mean, they don't have the most games. They don't have the most conference wins, but they do have the best win percentage. Ohio State's 10 and four. Wisconsin's nine and five. Illinois is nine and three. So, I mean, according to. Yeah, yeah so what we're seeing right now is. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, I was just going to say, according to the rankings, you know, right now they have Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, then Wisconsin, then Iowa. So. All would, the way you know, at the bottom. <laughs> but with the with the Big Ten's love affair with basketball, you know, they probably if, if there was some something that happened where the Big Ten needed to make an exception to the rules that they set in order for a basketball team to benefit and move forward in a tournament. Yeah, I, I could see the Big Ten doing it. Would they do the same for wrestling? I doubt it. Would they do right. the same thing for volleyball? I doubt it. I think it's football and basketball, and I think the Big Ten's true colors have come through. Um, you know, I, I know that there are people out there that say, well, duh, you know, if football and basketball pay the bills. Well, I get it. But, you know, there's other sports in this conference that um, where the Big Ten competes at an incredibly high level, volleyball and wrestling being two of them. Um and, you know, but I think I think the powers that be um, in the in the conference office just kind of looks down their nose at all. I mean, you know, we don't even have a baseball schedule yet. They, they released a softball schedule earlier this week, which I think is a very good schedule. And I mean, we can talk about that later, but um, no baseball schedule yet. And what are we, 15 days away from what is alleged to be out loud. That's, it's, that's, that's deplorable. Yeah. Our basketball program is going to play seven games in 12 days. All right. Did you, did you watch the, the last game against, uh, Oh, come on. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I did not watch it. Okay. We started that game with this lineup, Banton, McGowan, Walker, Allen, and man. That I, I, that, and, that's our starting lineup. I, I'm not a great basketball guy, but I've been watching basketball because I'm interested to see what happens. But that's pretty much our starting lineup right there. And they went out against Wisconsin, and they were on fire early in that game until Fred Hoiberg mixed up the players, right? He took players out of the lineup. Okay, now, you hear that me say that, you might go, well, why did he take them out? Well, because he's got to play seven fucking games in 12 days. 
you can't just take four or five guys and leave them on the floor for the entire game and expect them to be able to play all these games in that short period of time. But, you know, I mean, we did this last week where we kind of looked at the Big Ten and went, what the fuck is this? And, and the, <clears throat> there's a lot of people out there that, you know, I, I tweet about basketball and I do the game thread thing about basketball. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there, I suppose, that are looking at Hoiberg's program and go, well, we're not going to win a game and this isn't progress and that. Like, okay, do you understand the fucking situation at all? We missed 27 days worth of basketball. And the moment we come back, we're asked with guys who haven't been able to practice, haven't been able to do anything, we're asked to play a whole shitload of games in a really short time. If I remember correctly. So the Big Ten can apparently keep their RPIs intact, keep their numbers up, and and potentially leave room in schedules so that when Michigan, who's going to be a postseason team, get into the NCAA tournament so that there's room for them to schedule more games too, if they need to later. So shitty Nebraska basketball has to mash all their games together. I, yeah. Yeah. When you say it's their true colors, you know, the next time some big 10 mucky muck says bullshit about the student athlete safety and we're for the student athletes, you got to look at them and go, fuck you. Just fuck off with that shit, you know? And the problem is, is they're not going to be called on it by anybody because most of the people that run at that level run around with the same people they are. They spew the same bullshit lines and they all believe the same bullshit because if Frank over there spews bullshit, I'm going to back Frank up and he's going to back me up when I spew my bullshit. The press, the media guys aren't going to take these guys on because if they do, they just won't be allowed to do any Big Ten events. So, fuck you, Big Ten people in charge. There you go. I feel better. You know, I'm not. I'm not much of a, a basketball aficionado. I'm a. I'm a Fred Hoiberg fan. I have been since he was a high school athlete. I was had opportunity to watch him play football. Had out could watched him pitch his last baseball game. Um, and of course, you know, I have some Iowa state, uh, tendencies, <laughs> but, um, I, 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 heard some guys talking on sports talk that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, whoever would have thought that we would have see, seen, seen the season where the blue bloods, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas are all struggling. I mean, I think three of those teams are not even ranked in the top. 20 or whatever. Well, I, I, and you know, I was just gonna say, I, I thought that somebody made a good, there was a possibility that all four ahead. of them could be out of the top 25, uh, you know, at the same time, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. And, and maybe that's what it is. I, I think that maybe I did read that, but somebody, you know, in this, this one conversation between a couple of basketball guys makes a lot of sense. And it applies to Nebraska, you know, Calipari, is probably the, the the best example. But Krzyzewski does the same thing at Duke to an extent, and Kansas does as well, where, you know, they bring in all these very high-rated, you know, five-star athletes knowing full well that one, two, three, maybe even in Kentucky's case, five of them are, are going to be there for one year and then go pro. I mean, you know, they've kind of mastered that one-and-done mentality. Um, and 
you know, that's what they've recruited for this year. But they're all struggling. And it was pointed out that, you know what? Because of COVID, none of those programs were able to get those high-powered players on campus early. They had no uh, preseason strength and conditioning programs for them. They didn't have a chance at all when they could really just focus on basketball of culture, any kind of <laughs> teamwork, any of that kind of stuff. They, they lost it all. It wasn't there. And so you can't just win because you've got the best athletes out there. You know, you have to have the best team on the floor. And those programs are suffering because they missed all of that time to build a team. Okay, apply that to Nebraska. Hoiberg pretty much rebuilt the entire team this year. And he was in the same circumstances as those elite programs, but not with anywhere close to the athletes. And then we get COVID, and that's just more lost time. Yeah. You know, this more than the football season, this ought to be a throwaway. Um, of course, Coach, Coach Hoiberg, Hoiberg doesn't look at it that way, but get through this damn thing and, and put your focus on next year. I um, I think they're, you know, Banton is a freak job of an athlete. It, as a six point, uh, six point nine, six foot nine point guard. I mean, he's just a, a weird guy, you know, and uh, Derek Walker is such an upgrade at that position over what we've had. You know, I like Yvonne Uadrago, fuck up that name, uh, but he has not really progressed that far as a big guy. And, uh, you know, Walker is really I, – I like watching Walker. He looks smooth. Uh, what's the what's the younger kid's name? Andre? If you, you guys haven't watched. He's got – he looks so raw, but he looks like he has so much massive amounts of athletic talent that he's going to be interesting to watch him develop over the next year or two. And then McGowan – that guy, he's I you know I for him I want him to become Brad Davison of Nebraska. I want that fucking guy to be the guy that every other team hates, hates his guts because of the way that he does his soccer flopping, throws his arms in the air, he does that stop thing when he's dribbling the ball down the court with a guy behind him. Fuck all those other basketball schools. I want to irritate the shit out of them. I. I want to. Brad, uh, Brad Davison got called for a foul and he whined about it after he lifted his elbow up and smacked Teddy Allen, Allen in the face just a little bit when he was trying to post up. If, whatever, dickhead, shithead. Aren't you supposed to be like on with your life and married and have like 10 or 12 year old kids by now? I'm that, looking forward to us having two McGowans <laughs> so that we can draw like 300 fouls a game against teams. That's what I'm looking forward to. So I, th- I still think there's a lot of fun in the basketball team, even though we're probably not going to win a game this year. I want to not when we get drilled into the ground. Okay. Okay, Greg. I, I want to touch on something that uh, Todd uh, talked about, uh, about the blue bloods and, and, and I, I think Todd, you're exactly right about how their philosophy is get the best basketball players or athletes that you can, you know, get them that year of, of prep, a year of play, 
and then ship them off to the NBA. And like you said, in a, in a COVID era, it's not working out. However, uh, unfortunately, it's my belief that after COVID, I mean, they, they won't have learned their lesson. They'll just go back to the old ways, you know, and start uh, uh, printing checks, you know, writing checks to these guys uh, and and uh, and sending them off to off to the next level. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I know we talked about uh, how deplorable it was that there's no baseball schedule in place yet. Was there any more that we had? Because I know that, that you talked about the softball schedule uh, b- before we started rolling sound, Todd, and said that it was actually uh, uh, you know, a little exciting to have a little – a little something fresh to look forward to. Well, I think, I think they did a good job. And then I, I know that coach Ravel was uh, on the committee that um, helped design the schedule and um, what they're doing. It's really pretty cool. Um, I think the first weekends, March 12th, all of the big 10 teams are going to be in Florida, uh, North of Orlando, some the sleepy hollow sports club or something like that. Um, but they're all going to be down there. And on that first weekend, Nebraska is going to play, well, all the teams down there, they're going to play six games. They're going to play double headers against three conference opponents. So Nebraska, whoever those three teams are that they're going to play, they're going to play two games against each of those teams. And then they're going to have a weekend off, I suppose, in case somebody gets COVID. And uh, then they're going to go back the following week into the same spot. And Nebraska will play three games against two of the teams. And I know that one of those teams is Michigan. I always keep my eye on Michigan because they're just an incredible program. And, and she is she is an amazing, amazing coach up there. And uh, just, just love watching her team play. But um, so they're going to play – uh, against two teams, they're going to play three games. And then the rest of the season, they will play a four-game series against all of the rest of the Big Ten teams. You know, four, they got four dates at home and four dates on the road. So it all sounds like uh, a, a pretty good deal. And, uh, you know, the, the issue, you know, in springtime you got rain and you got rainouts. Um, so it doesn't sound like there'll be an opportunity to make up games if they lose some, but you know, they got a 44 game schedule and, you know, in the case of softball, um, there, there's nothing wrong with the quality of softball that they play in the big 10 conference. Um, no, it's not the sec and it's not the PAC 12, but um, you know, the, the big 10 conference is generally well represented in, in the postseason, and, and they'll be fine. But I think it's pretty cool that they are going to go down to Florida so that they can get some games in in good weather, so they can get some practice in outside. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if if teams aren't down there. You know, if they only have to be there for three days for games, it would shock me if they're not down there for more than that. Uh, well, can they to, do that for baseball? Well, that's the big mystery. The rumor has rumor has it, and it's only rumor that they are trying to secure some spring training sites down somewhere i don't know if they're talking florida or arizona but they're trying to secure some spring training sites and so you know they'll send like a certain number of teams to vero beach a certain number of teams to 
Tampa, a certain number of teams to wherever. Jupiter. And play kind of a round-robin type of a – Jupiter? Yeah. <laughs> play kind of a round-robin situation there. But, um, you know, again, nothing's come from that. And uh, nothing's nothing's shown up. All, all I can tell you this is if they're planning to start baseball on March 12th, on the same weekend that they're starting softball, there's no way, no way other than up in, the, up in Minnesota – there is no way they can play home home and away ball, baseball games up here. They just they just can't. So they got to figure out some way to get them down south. How how would the you you know using the spring training facilities work when you know Major League Baseball is going to be having you know players reporting here in the in the near future? Well, fuck, one, the, fuck Major League Baseball. Well, they don't get a report. They're arguing right now. They're arguing right now about pushing spring training later. Yeah. Um, I think it's the owners that want to move it later. So the possibility might exist that they're not there. But otherwise, you know, um, when when Coach Erstead, you know, was leading the program here, they always went down to Arizona and played at the Angels facilities. There's more than one field at those facilities. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's what's hanging up. Maybe that's the hang-up with the schedule. Maybe they're struggling to find places. But, you know, sure as hell, there's a lot of teams down in Texas, Arizona, Southern California, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi. They can find ball fields if they just put their mind to it. Are yeah, we- he, the football team had a disappointing season, and football was a complete fucking mess. And I'm not just talking about Nebraska. I'm talking about Big Ten football. It was a mess. It was a complete mess. Now, Big Ten basketball rolls around. We got a whole bunch of new players, and I'm it was excited to see him. And then that all got blown to shit. And now they're cramming our basketball team into a position where they're going to be running to the ground, and they're they're not going to win a game because they won't have the ability to do that anyway, even if they got better. So having a baseball season for me personally, John Johnston, Oscar fucking fan extraordinaire. It's kind of a big deal because I want to – our baseball team might be good. We might have pitching staff that can kick some ass. We might have an offense that can kick some ass. We might be able to win the Big Ten. I kind of like to see a men's team at Nebraska, and I know wrestling is decent, do well in a sport that I want to watch and be part of. And what is what is in my way? Apparently the Big Ten Conference. <laughs> Where do I have to drive? Whose door do I have to fucking knock on to get this shit going? I think it sounds like you need to take a trip to Chicago. Motherfuckers. Trip to Chicago. I'm vaccinated now. I'll be all like, uh, you know, my breasts are going to Chicago, and I'm going to go in and say, listen, I got side effects, you motherfuckers. I don't know what I'm going to say after that. Throw my show my third arm flopping around. <laughs> Why is it so strong? I you don't want to know. I think you should reach out to Kevin Warren and see if you can arrange a face-to-face interview. <laughs> I think I probably should stay low key so I can still go to Big Ten events. <laughs> 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 but having a 
like I'd be on a no-fly list for the Big Ten. Yeah, there's uh, only one name, and it's some asshole from Nebraska. A, a no-fan list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, okay. John, since you brought up football, uh, let's talk a little bit about football. Now, we don't have any uh, <clears throat> signing day or anything like that uh, this week, but... There was Super Bowl. There was a Super Bowl, and we all picked the Buccaneers, if I remember correctly. Um, I think you guys yeah. thought it was going to be a close game, and I said it was going to be Tampa Bay by ten, and we were all wrong. Did you pick? Did you pick the? Did you pick the Buccaneers? I thought you hated Tom Brady. I do, but I also realize that the fix is in, and uh, Tom Brady can do no wrong. So no matter where he's at, uh, just expect uh, uh, championships and pregnant ladies. I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh uh so uh the super bowl happened and i alluded to it last week i can say now with no shame guilt or regret i don't even know what channel it was on i never turned it on really yeah wow well, viewership was in the toilet. Worse than game watch since 2007. I think yeah. people are tired yeah. of Tom Brady. I really do. And that, when you can't get together with, you know, a house full of your friends and whatnot, I think it, it does affect things. It's like, I, I, so our, our Sunday routine, uh, is that, you know, I, I get up, I go to church, um, and I stream church, you know, for people to watch at home since, you know, COVID and whatnot. And I, uh, and my wife, you know, text me the grocery list and I go to the grocery store and, and she said, uh, Hey, if you want to get these things, I'll make a dip for today. And I was like, dip, it's Sunday. And I was like, Oh shit. Super Bowl. Then I, I was like, what? We're not going anywhere. Why would we make spe-? So anyway, I ended up doing three Super Bowl special, you know, dip or, you know, dishes, things like that. A couple different dips, uh, and some, and some homemade meatballs. But I was like, I had, I had panic mode. I said, what? It's been so long since I've been to a Super Bowl party. What the hell do you take to a Super Bowl party? So I just I just started throwing shit in in a crock pot and, and drinking beer at one thirty. <laughs> so it worked. We're, and, and I lived uh, to tell yeah, the tale. We got together. We we had a family get together. That was kind of nice, but the game was really not worth the shit. I mean, I. I, I do have to say that the NFL has actually brought my family together this year more than, uh, you know, well, more than Nebraska football, which is really kind of weird and sad. But, you know, I am thankful that the NFL actually played their games. And even though we had a really shitty Super Bowl that didn't involve the Packers, but it did involve, uh, you know, Levante David and Ndamba Kinsu and uh, Khalil Davis got their get their Super Bowl rings, and then uh, Tom Brady took the Lombardi trophy and threw it across the the lake or whatever, a river. And I think I shit my pants watching him do that more than he did. <laughs> no respect. Yeah. He's got no respect for the game. Get yeah. him out of here. Piece of shit. I'll tell you what, I, I watched it, and, and I'm not a Brady fan either. But, you know, I, I kind of watched it from the perspective that you know, he's he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, I'm not going to get into the whole greatest of all time thing. I think that's ridiculous conversation. But, 
you know, the guy had won six Super Bowl rings. He's got seven now. He's played on winning teams. But I, I thought it was going to be an interesting game from the perspective of, you know, the, uh, the quarterback who's considered by many to be the best of his era against Patrick Mahomes, who arguably is the best quarterback of his era. And, um, you know, it, it, it did come down to quarterback play because Mahomes was not that effective. But that wasn't Mahomes' fault. That, that kid did everything in his power to try to make things work and try to make things happen. That offensive line was decimated with injuries. <laughs> that Pierre Paul, Chad Barrett, um, uh, LeBlanc, I mean, they were in that backfield more than the running backs were for, um, for the Chiefs. And, you know, they, they had an incredible scheme against Tyreek Hill. They took, basically took him out of the game. Yep. You know, they apparently were willing to give up some yards to Kelsey. And, um, because he, he, he had some, some decent plays. But what I saw out of Patrick Mahomes was one of the gutsiest, most determined performances in, in a losing situation, a bad loss that I'd seen. Yeah. I mean, that, a couple of those passes, I mean, he was falling down and whipped that ball 35 yards. I mean, he's falling to his face. Hit his receiver right in the face, and the guy didn't catch the fucking ball. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it just – I don't know. I, Patrick Mahomes, you know, I've been impressed with his skills. I know a lot of the experts, you know, Jimmy Johnson and some of those people, Andy Reid, obviously. But um, in a losing effort, it was really – I guess I appreciated the, the effort that Patrick Mahomes gave in that game. He looked like he, at the end of the game that he was the only one playing for the Chiefs. Because <laughs> he, he, he threw so many passes, the guys just fucking dropped. And you're like, you're in the Super Bowl, you assholes. Could you at least make the effort of showing up? You, even though you're getting your asses kicked, you candy-ass, tiny baby wiener boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, the honey badger showed his true character. He... The, they messed with him. He would, he took himself mentally out of that game about five minutes before halftime. And uh, they didn't have his leadership the rest of the game. Well, Anton Winfield got his personal foul penalty. That was, I thought it was a little bit much at the time, but now I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> that was kind of a funny gesture. Of course, I, you got to respect Tyreek Hill for, how explosive he is, but is he, he's, he's, uh, he's definitely at the rock bottom as far as a human being. And so I, I just, I just, I don't want to see anything good happen for that guy. <laughs> well, what did we got? You said something about Nebraska football, Greg. I did. Uh, uh, and congratulations again to Indomitian Sue, Levante David, who I've been on record on the show saying probably my favorite defensive Husker uh, of all time. And uh, Khalil Davis, uh, of course, in his rookie year, getting Super Bowl rings that uh, they deserve. Um, and we'll just leave it at, as far as Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're the only ones who deserve them. Um, let's talk about a future pro. This was... This was one of those topics that we debated, the three of us uh, even bringing up. But it's important to discuss because the word is out there. The news is out there. 
the interview was done, and uh, uh-huh. uh-huh, oh, we're being joined by a fourth. Um, as soon as he he arrives, uh, we welcome Nate McHugh. Um, but the interview done this past week uh, by uh, former now recent former uh, Nebraska uh, offensive tackle Brendan Hymas. And uh, I'm just going to turn it over to you, Todd, because I know that you have thoughts. Well, I didn't read the whole article. I I read a squib of it, but I listened to some people talking about the article when I was driving around this afternoon. I am not um, I'm not a Brendan Hymas fan. Uh, I took the I'm of the opinion that he quit on the team at the end of the season. Uh, there was one more game to go, and he made the decision that he was no longer going to be a member of the Nebraska football team. He decided that he was going to go his own way and prepare for his own career. And I would feel that same way of any player that makes a decision uh, like that. Uh, football is a team sport. You're in it through thick and thin. But what I found interesting was in this interview um, – he was asked about, you know, the culture at Nebraska, the culture with the football program. And I know, you know, culture is this word that I think most Nebraska football fans are sick and tired of, of hearing it. And, you know, I was listening to this talk show and they were debating, well, what's the definition of culture and are there different kinds of culture? And, you know, I, I guess what I wanted to say, and, and you guys can chew this and spit it out if you'd like, but, you know, Scott Frost has, has talked about, you know, getting the right kind of players in that do the right thing. And I think that he's never gone any further than that. And so that allows people to make, to, to, to define the right thing, you know, for themselves. You know, what does that look like? And, you know, depending upon how old you are, um, what your experiences are, you know, those definitions may in fact be different. Um, you know, when you start talking about culture, you know, was Brendan Hymas talking about, you know, the culture hasn't improved, maybe it's regressed. Is that because the definition of, of culture that's being used is a culture of winning? Well, certainly the team isn't winning. So is, is that Scott Frost's definition? Well, it, it can't be. There's got to be more to it. Sure. And so I guess... I guess what, you know, when I think about culture and, and what, what, what is he striving for? What does he want? You know, I got to believe, and it, it goes back to some of the things that I've mentioned throughout the course of the last few years since, well, more than that, since Bo Pelini's been the coach, is that the Nebraska football that I remember, the culture of Nebraska football that I remember was hard-nosed, disciplined, disciplined football where Nebraska never had as many penalties as the opposing team. They didn't make the kind of mistakes that we see, you know, almost continuously out on the field anymore. And we've seen it for years. And so, you know, when I think what, what's the culture that Nebraska is striving for, I would hope that the culture includes players that are going to commit to work hard, that are commit, going to commit to be the best possible teammate that they can be, and that they are going to commit to playing football in a disciplined, 
manner. That's the kind of culture that I hope Scott Frost is, is, is striving for. Now, if Brennan Hymas is working from the same definition as I am, then it worries me <laughs> if that's not the kind of player, you know, how far away is Nebraska from being able to establish that kind of culture? So, um, you know, do we want players with character? Do we want young men with character? Yes, I think we do. I think everybody wants kids with character. But I want kids that commit to their teams, that are, are determined to play the game in a hard-nosed fashion, and they don't, they don't make mistakes. They're disciplined on the field and off. So I guess that's what I think the culture ought to be. Nate, do you care to chime in? Can you hear me? Yeah, though, that's a good start. Hey. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the question of culture, I, is, I, I don't know. See, that's one of those things I'd like to be a fly on the wall of uh, the program. Because you hear people say, oh, it's a bad culture. Now, my question is, is it just bad on the offensive side? You know, because on the defensive side, it seems like everyone's coming back. They're being very successful. I think defense is going to take a step forward even more next year. And so we keep on hearing about the bad culture. It's on the offensive side of the ball. And so, you know, I don't know what Scott Frost can do to create a better culture on the offensive side of the ball without simply improving the offense. And I think he's trying to take steps in that direction. He, I think he's going with a downhill running game. He's, he's uh, gone from recruiting short receivers and small running backs. I think he's adjusting to the Big Ten. And so when Hymas, when he starts talking about how the – because he mentioned in that quote that him and I think he said Adrian and Matt Farniok tried to get the, everyone together and do workouts and all that stuff, and these people wouldn't do it. Well, I, I mean, is it just the offensive side of the ball? I mean, so it's like, I don't know. But it, it, I also think that you can do whatever you want to create a great culture but when you're losing, no matter what you're doing, it looks stupid. You know, because well, whatever you're doing, obviously, is not creating wins. So then whatever you're doing as far as the culture-wise is the bat is the wrong thing, you know. So I, I don't know. It's the, the, the culture thing to me, the conversation bothers me. No, not that we're having it. The conversation itself bothers me a little bit because – it's extremely subjective to each and every player. So when you have one or a couple of players come out and they make a comments about the culture of the program, I mean, it's from their point of view, it's very subjective. And then you have like Cam Taylor Britt makes comments about how he thinks the culture is doing great. I mean, so who's wrong? You know, I mean, one of them's wrong, right? So that's what bothers me about the whole thing. It, to me, it's like, you know, if I'm not getting a lot of playing time and things aren't going my way, you know, culture is a pretty vague and pretty, you know, something that I can point to and say, oh, it's actually, it's not my fault. It's the culture's fault. 
That's a I don't have point. anything. <laughs> Other than, you know, I guess uh, I was listening intently to Nate and enthralled with his wisdom so much that uh, oh, I, I didn't come up with anything. Other than, you know, I, I guess the one good thing about Brendan Hymas leaving one game early is we got to see Turner Carker and beat the shit out of Rutgers on the left side of the line. I was like, okay, maybe it was just the opponent, but I'm I'm for that. Future looks good to me, man. I I hope Hymas, you know, I hope he gets picked up by an NFL team and has a good career. And I wonder if the kind of piggybacking on, on what you were saying, Nate, if the player's perception of culture, uh, it's got it has to be affected by their expectations, you know, and and what. Uh, uh, what are the coaches feeding them to get them, you know, to to go? Now, I mean, not just to Nebraska, but to any school, any anywhere you look, you know, uh, and you could probably type in any any Power Five program, Michigan culture, Washington culture, Notre Dame culture, Alabama culture, and find something related to. So it, it has to all. I I think culture uh, has to begin on the recruiting trail with, I don't know, maybe realistic expectations. Is that a question? <laughs> Greg, I agree with, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I also think, you know, that your, your coaches are the ones that are going to establish the expectations and that needs to be internalized by your leaders on the team. And, you know, throughout the football season, we had numerous debates and conversations on the blog about, you know, who are the leaders and, and a, a leaderless team, you know, quite a bit. But, you know, in, in terms of establishing a culture, you know, Nate, he's a, he's a high school basketball coach. You know, from one year to the next, your, your culture can change. Um, you know, there's, there are, there's so many different dynamics in play that contribute to a culture. You know, I've, I've bore witness a number of times to, you know, like um, when, when a coaching change happens, you know, and I, you know, I've, I've been a, a principal in AD in schools where, you know, a so-so program all of a sudden with a change with the head coach and the way that he works with players and, and the fact that he builds trust among them, the fact that he builds commitment among them, um, that makes a world of difference in the program. And, you know, I look at, I look at where Nebraska's at. Do the players trust one another? Do the players go out there at the beginning of each game confident that they can, that they can, that they can compete? You know, is, where's, where are their heads at? You know, I'll, I'll, and I'm going to disagree with Nate on a point. You know, he, he talked about the culture of the defense compared to the culture of the offense. Hell, you got to have a culture with the whole team. I mean, everybody's got to be pulling the rope in the same direction. Is there divisiveness on the team? Is the defense out there saying, son of a bitches, we're working our asses off here. We're doing everything we can to keep these offenses down. You guys got to produce. You know, is that kind of division? Does that exist in that program? And if it does, that's a cancer, and that's got to be fixed. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I hope – and I think it was said on, on a previous podcast, Scott Frost has an opportunity to do a lot of reflection. That's what the off season's all about. You know, he's brought in three new analysts. He's not going to make any changes on his coaching staff. 
you know, what can we expect that Scott Frost is going to do uh, so that he establishes the kind of attitude in the football team that, that needs to be there to be successful? What's he going to do to make that happen? And, and I guess we'll see not too long because uh, spring's just around the corner. There was a, a, a thought that I had uh, when I look at you know, talking about culture and leadership. It, it's a lot easier to find those uh, to define those leaders when you're having success, but you still have to. And and I feel like maybe I'm not making excuses, but I think one of the hindrances is that really none of the people who are on this uh, on the roster right now know success. You know that we're you know, how many losing seasons deep are we? You know, we're from Riley's, you know, fluky second year, I think. And then it's been, you know, downhill ever since. But uh, so, but at some point there has to be accountability and you, you're going to have to have some upperclassmen or maybe, you know, I thought maybe Wandale was, was going to, you know, have that leader role as an underclassman. But you got to have somebody step up and, you know, get in, get into some faces, you know, I, and I think, and I don't, I, to, if I can disagree with you a little bit, Todd, I don't think that the defense calling out the offense is, is a cancer. I think it's a wake up call, you know, and, and if, if, uh, you know, if, if, if the defense is out there and they're getting stop after stop and then the offense is out there, you know, throwing a, a, uh, a swing pass on the first play of the game, and and next thing you know, it's it's uh, a fumble. It's picked up, and you know either gone the other way or it's first and goal from the nine uh, for for the opposition. Well, the defense at some point, it be it there has to be some you know like look across you know the way at the, at the guy across from you and say get it together, figure this out, and then but that also has to happen at the coaching level where. Uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rehash, but you got to grab somebody by the damn lapels and shake some sense into them and say, "Quit calling the same pass." <laughs> you know, first game out. Um, by God, when Diedrich Mills gets you down inside the five, give him the football, and and you know, hopefully Wandell doesn't get killed. You know, uh, going into the end zone, you there has to be. Scott Frost is supposed to be the the, the grand overseer. And I feel that he's been, uh, you know, focusing a little too much on one side. Uh, so hopefully, some so hopefully something happens in the off season where there's at least a reallocation of of coaching duties uh, to where uh, you know we we can get the big picture and, and get everybody on the same page. But I, I I don't I don't mind the defense, you know jumping uh, the offense's ass from time to time and, and saying, you have to help us. You're putting us in bad spots. And we're, we're out here, you know, we're losing the, the – it's a very one-sided time of possession game. And, and you have to play better, play smarter, make better decisions with the football so that we're not backed up every time and, and you know, spending 10 minutes of the, period, or of the quarter uh, out on the field. Just a thought. Uh, it comes down to accountability for your teammates, accountability for everybody on that team. And until that's, you know, a, a foundation of the program, there's going to be struggles. That, that's, that's my opinion. So. 
and and I think I mean going anyway, back to well, we beat- go, I didn't mean to cut you off, Todd, but I, going back to that you know week before that Rutgers game when when we found out that Hymas wasn't going to play, I think that's what chapped my ass the most because look, I don't I hope he has I guess I hope he has success at the NFL I, I don't depending on what team he ends up with um, you know I, I may he have a <laughs> may he have a a, a career that. Uh, you know, affords him some of the finer things in life and more power to him. But I, he walked away from his teammates. And and I cannot abide that. That's just me. I, I know we say that, you know, like everybody's got to do what's best for them or what they feel is best for them, the situation. But it was one game your senior year and you couldn't stick it out against fucking Rutgers? Come on, man. I'm yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah, not, I mean, there wasn't anything to play for, but at it, the same time, yeah. If if the first game of the season and the last game of the season were switched, and Rutgers was your first game, and you were finishing up against Ohio State, you're like, you know what? I don't want to get killed, but it's Rutgers. I'm not even going to apologize to all and all of our uh, viewers and listeners out in Piscataway. I, I don't care. You're Rutgers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, we just beat him by like what six points? Six I don't care. Points? Say it's Rutgers, it's but we Rutgers. we barely beat him. You know, we, you know, it's like uh, I don't think we can say that anymore. Uh, I, no, like, no, no, no. Yeah, we can. I, we okay. physically beat the shit out of them, and if it wasn't for four turnovers in the first half, we'd have just stomped the living crap out of them. So we were—they're were, they're still Rutgers. We were as bad as we don't were. Make me come over. Playing as bad as we could, and we still beat them by six points. They are Rutgers. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, All right. Well, hey, since we have um, since we have Nate here, I want to ask him a question. I was Nate. You're the you're the basketball high school basketball guru, and I don't pay any attention. But I see that there's this big old kid out of Grand Island that's a four star player. Is he a guy that? fits into Hoiberg's kind of program is, is Nebraska recruiting that kid or is he, what, what's the situation with him? Um, you know, it's a good question. I read an article on, on it today and he's getting recruited by Gonzaga, Kansas, Michigan state. I mean, I didn't see a mention in Nebraska in that article. Um, yeah. His last name's trout. I think it's, it's T R A U D T. Yeah, Isaac Trout, uh, yeah. Grand Island. Yeah, so tall it's kind of funny that is, isn't he six ten? Six ten. Yeah, he's and I think he can shoot. So um, that would fit if, if if I'm right on that. Then yeah, he fits perfectly into what Hoiberg wants to do. Uh, kind of funny thing though is that the coach that I used to coach with. Who used to be here? He's now at. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Trout just scored 57 against him, and uh, <laughs> earlier this week, and I'm blanking on it. Sorry, buddy, Chelsea. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I, I he is probably a guy. Where I would be surprised if we got him. I mean, if you have Gonzaga, and you have. Kansas, Michigan State, and then you look at Nebraska, who's lost 25 conference games in a row. Where do I want to go? I don't know. You know. 
six so, six nine you want to go on the team with the two mcgallon brothers that are going to draw 400 fouls a game and win every fucking game they play in the, the five-star mcgallon is going to be gone before track we get here so that really isn't all. um uh, six nine junior. two six nine two oh five I, I just want to uh read the uh the list of teams that he currently has an offer from or how about how about teams he doesn't have an offer from? Well, Let's start. Like yeah, uh, it, it's 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 fine. It's the end of the show. Oh, we got time. Uh, teams that that he's cool. This is all from a two four seven sports. Uh, no offer from Virginia, North Carolina, Michigan State, Illinois, Gonzaga, or Duke. Yes, off, uh, offers uh, from Wyoming, Wisconsin, Virginia Tech. No, did I? I already mentioned Virginia. All right, Virginia's in here twice. That's cool. Um, Apparently, he maybe has an offer from, I don't know, Stanford, South Dakota, Purdue, Oregon, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Northern Colorado, Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, Missouri, Minnesota, Marquette, Louisville, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, Iowa, Idaho, Georgetown, Drake, and Creighton. If he ends up at Creighton, I'm going to be mad. Motherfuckers. (laughs) I'm a Creighton alum, thank you very much. And I agree. (laughs) Yeah, bud. (laughs) Somehow we overlook that just because I'm a forgetful son of a bitch and forgiving. Creighton is the Iowa of the West. I'm just cutting you off right fucking now. Let's talk about Nebraska basketball at all. Yeah. But we would, if you, since since we haven't had a new. Mr. Basketball fucking expert guy. Not an expert. Since since you are too. Since we haven't had a new. McGowan, Walker, Allen, and Maine. What? Banton, McGowan. Walker, yep. Allen, and Mann. That's our starters. Yep. Would you keep that starting lineup in the game? I, for I, would, kick, I would kick Teddy Allen off the, the, the team. Okay, I know that you don't like Teddy Allen, but in terms of talent, in terms of scoring. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I think uh, what, Ben, I think, is going to be a stud. Um, McGowan is one of my favorite players on the team this year. He actually looks like he wants to play hard. He's a slasher. You know, he's physical. Um, Walker, I don't know. I, I haven't seen enough of him yet. Uh, the uh, other post, he's, he just started playing again. I'm blanking on his name. He had like four fouls yesterday. Um, we need better Drago? No, 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 no. No, uh, no by the way. If he doesn't grow, Yvonne. Andre. Yeah. Yeah, Andre, what's his lesson? Uh, Eduardo Andre. Andre okay. is his last name. Okay. Yeah. So he's the one that I think he could be really good for us. Sorry. Yvonne, the guy from France, if he doesn't grow, he's not a Big Ten basketball player. And I, no. I, I don't, he, like, during the broadcast of the game, uh, what's his name? Uh, from he he was Michigan Beheim, 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 Michigan's Jim Beheim, John Beheim, Beheim. Yeah, he's like yeah, or the, the he's like yeah, he has trouble finishing around the hoop. Oh, thank goodness our post player at a Power Five Big Ten basketball school has trouble finishing around the hoop, and he shoots like forty percent from the free throw line. I mean, what are we doing here? Oh, he's oh, playing so minutes. Promise. There's so much promise with Nebraska basketball, and it's just like I don't know. It's it's frustrating to watch. 
But that doesn't mean I don't believe in what Hoiberg's doing, because I do. Because we are a much more talented. We are much better than we were last year. But we're going to have less wins to show for it. And that's just how it's done. Okay, if you're going to pull Teddy Allen out of the lineup, I just said, who are you going to put in there? Shamil Stevenson, big fan. He's kind of out of control at times. But, I mean, <laughs> the guy has it. to learn how to fucking assist. Oh, he yeah. gets he gets dribbling the ball toward the basket and suddenly believes he's a fullback. And Teddy <laughs> Allen catches the ball. All of a sudden, the ball sticks. The ball stops moving. Everyone stands there. He, and he goes and does his thing. But guess what? He gets that 15 shots a game or whatever, and he makes, you know, six or seven, that, but some of them are pretty awesome. He's leading the team in scoring. So he's obviously really good for the program, right? So he doesn't play. <laughs> All of a sudden, the ball starts moving. And, and you know, obviously, we're, you know, we got to be able to hit shots. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not hating on the kid. I just – when with Hoiberg, the ball needs to move. And when Teddy Allen gets the ball, it doesn't move. So that's, that's what I say. Andy needs to grow up. Actually, yeah, you know I, what? Yeah. Actually, very bluntly, he needs to grow the fuck up. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what he did, but did, did anyone ever find out what he did? Not that matters. I don't know, but his he's play on the court sometimes, you can tell he just, you know, he, honestly, I, I'll say this about him. He kind of reminds me of me. I have always had, and have never gotten over, even though I'm fucking old, a problem with authority. And a problem with people telling me what to do and a people and, and listening to people when I should. And I'm willing to admit that. And Todd's sitting there shake, shaking his head. You could have like done something other than shaking your head. Yes, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I recognize that about myself. And it has cost me in some situations throughout my life and in my career. On the other hand, being a mouthy son of a bitch has probably done me more good than uh, not. But you need to recognize when it's time to back off, buddy, and time to calm down and time to, you know, you got goals. And if you're blowing stuff up, you're not meeting your goals. And I do agree with you. The ball doesn't move. He suddenly, he does that hero ball bullshit. Yeah, it's like, it's he, like he is the, frustrating. Uh, but, but, okay, so to defend him, even though I just said I think he's bad for the program, <laughs> and that's probably too much. Because he is a kid, he's a college kid. But when minutes without making a bucket, you know, or whatever, that's what that's what he can do for you. He at least can go get you a bucket or two. But unfortunately, sometimes he takes away more than he gives. And so, you know, it's kind of like maybe Hoiberg just thinks we don't have good enough shooters yet. And so, Teddy, we need you to, to go get us. 12, 14 points a game type of deal. I don't know. So, what, but and I always say this because as a coach, you know, Hoiberg knows what he's doing. So, when I say that Teddy Allen's bad for the program, Hoiberg obviously disagrees. And so, I'll, you know, but I still have what I can watch. I think that the ball moves better when he's not on the floor. Well, Fred had to deal with the NBA players, so I imagine he's dealt with, you know, prima donna egos that are that don't have to listen to him at all ever. Yep. 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 Well, I think that's going to be all for. Are we uh, done, Greg, or anything else? 
I was just in the middle of wrapping up the show, John. <laughs> Let me try again. Stop and You're rewind. Out, huh? What, Nate? You were cutting out. That's okay. impossible. I have tip-top Maybe internet connection. My feed you are. That'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this show. If you did, leave a comment. Let us know what you agreed with. What you didn't agree with, those uh, comments are even more fun. I tell you from time to time, I need to tell you more often, and you need to do it. Use your voice. Call or text the show, 402-327-1830. Someday I'll have that nicely printed and you know a nice graphic to display, but instead, it's in my own hand. Call or text the show. <laughs> Production and, values have gone to shit during this pandemic. Well, we have a budget of zero dollars, so we that's what we have to work with. So uh we appreciate everybody uh tuning in, uh watching or listening on your favorite podcast app, watching of course on YouTube. Uh for Nate McHugh, Todd Wolverton, and our founder and fearless leader, John Grumpy Ass Johnston. I'm Greg Mahachko, reminding you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red! See you later. Hey, Nate, I'm growing breasts.